0: Welcome to America's Best Baseball Podcast. We take you behind the scenes in and around Major League Baseball with former big league manager Kevin Kennedy and veteran baseball broadcaster Rich Herrera. This is the only weekly podcast hosted by someone like Kennedy who played, coached, and managed in pro ball so we can take you into the manager's office for a real insider's view of baseball alongside a veteran baseball broadcaster like Herrera who has covered the game from coast to coast. So let's talk some baseball with your hosts. Here they are the skipper kevin kennedy and rich herrera
1: welcome everybody america's best baseball podcast kevin kennedy rich herrera guess who was put on waivers the 0-1 Launched to deep left field this one way back it may go and it is gone bryce harper's got 20 home runs he's back in the national league lead an opposite field three run shot and the nationals a 10-0 lead over the phillies here in the fourth inning Highlight courtesy of the Washington Nationals Radio Network. Skip, did you clear waivers?
2: Uh, I always cleared waivers, yeah, <laughs> every time. No, uh, no, but uh, a, a few guys uh, did not clear waivers. A few guys got claimed uh, in uh, the month of August, and there's always some big deals. Rich in the month of month of August. I remember back with the with the Dodgers when they got Adrian Gonzalez, uh, that big deal, and Carl Crawford was involved in that. Nick Punto, Josh Beckett. That deal was in August, and a lot of people felt the Dodgers would never get Adrian Gonzalez, but it turned out to be one heck of a deal. And uh, there's a couple of clubs we're going to talk about today that got some big players. Well,
1: let's talk about the team that didn't get the big player. Of course, much speculation were the Washington Nationals going to part ways with soon-to-be free agent Bryce Harper. They put him on waivers. He didn't get to the American League because he was claimed to the National League by a team that has a pretty good record, the Los Angeles Dodgers. So... The two, star, the two sides start talking. Can't work out a deal, according to the general manager, uh, Rizzo from Washington. Just not the talent that he was looking for to give up Harper for the rest of this year. Um, for the Dodgers, on their part, listen, you get your hands on Bryce Harper uh, for this run because you're in this race with the Rockies and the, uh, and, and the D-backs. That's a great move. Skip, give me your thoughts.
2: Well, number one, I'm not really a surprise that the Dodgers claimed Bryce Harper They were trying to make a deal for Bryce uh, at the July 31st deadline. They ended up getting the best player that was available. That was Manny Machado. At that time, of course, the Nationals had uh, a little less than half the games left. They were in the 70s as far as games left. Well, now we're about 36, 37 games left for most teams. And even though the Nationals have gotten relatively healthy, they just haven't been able to pick up ground on the teams ahead of them atlanta has maintained pace for the most part and so have the philadelphia phillies the wild card situation has changed the nationals are way behind in the wild card there's four or five uh, six teams ahead of them in the wild card so they're sitting around seven and a half to eight games back here in the last week so ownership uh by what i read today i read this actually about two hours ago said that we just had to decide that we had to uh, Look toward next year, unfortunately, for the reasons that I just mentioned. So um, not really a surprise that he was claimed. And, again, not surprised that the Dodgers claimed him. Uh, even though they have a lot of outfielders, uh, the Dodgers are looking to, to upgrade. Why wouldn't they you can. claim him,
1: Skip? Why wouldn't you claim him? I, everybody should have claimed him.
2: Yeah, it's interesting to let him get through all the way to the Dodgers in the National League. But, you know, the Cubs... Uh, did something that's pretty interesting for that we'll talk about in a minute, and, and they ended up getting that guy and working out a deal, which could be a huge deal for them. And that's Daniel uh,
1: Murphy, the former uh, yeah. New York Met and now with the Washington Nationals, as Washington basically is, wa- is waving the white flag.
2: Yeah, they unloaded really everybody. Matt Adams was claimed by the Cardinals, and he's going back to St. Louis. He had 18 home runs under his belt with the Nationals, so there was a deal made with St. Louis. The Dodgers are playing St. Louis right now, and I don't know how soon Matt will get here, but uh, they're looking forward to having a veteran bat, left-handed bat back in their lineup as they're, they're, they're really hot right now. I mean, they're one of the two wild-card teams as we speak. Not by a lot, but they're in the wild-card situation at least right now, and they're not out of the pennant race in the National League Central. We're talking so, about the Cardinals. talking about the Cardinals. So getting back to the Dodgers, um, again, what Mike Rizzo had said was that there just wasn't enough talent in return for Bryce Harper um, I think if the Dodgers had given up some big talent, and I'm talking about a Julio Urias type guy or, or you know, you're not going to give up a Walker Buell or anybody like that for a, a short-term rental like that. But had they given up a couple of decent prospects, maybe a Verdugo, who's the number one uh, maybe everyday player prospect, who's had some time in the big leagues the last couple of years and has gotten better, who's a great outfielder, left-handed hitter with power. I'm sure that's one of the guys that was being asked for. He could play center, left, or right, gets on base. Now he's hitting for power, uh, walks a lot, has a great eye at the plate. I mean, he's the real deal. This kid's going to be an everyday player at some point in his career. That's probably one of the guys Mike Rizzo had asked for, and the Dodgers were just not going to give him up. Now, if you look at the Dodgers, Rich, and you know you've seen plenty of them being down there in San Diego this year, they've got a lot of outfielders. They've got guys that play a lot of different positions. Chris Taylor can play center. Chris Taylor can play short. Chris Taylor can play second. Now that the Dodgers have Manny Machado. Uh, Chris Taylor played left last night. They've got Matt Kemp, who plays left or right. They've got Jock Peterson, a left-handed hitter, that plays all three positions. They've got Yasiel Puig, who's their right fielder mainly. Uh, and they've got Kike Hernandez, who's been playing uh, mostly um, a lot of center field lately, even against right-handed uh, pitching, because he's got 18 home runs. So my point is, they've got five, six guys on the big league roster that can play outfielder, outfield. So why would they go and get Bryce Harper? Okay, well,
1: that—that's you your question. I—I I you got mine. Opinion. I got mine. Go hey, go Skip. Go ahead. Go uh, ahead with your opinion. Kike, Yasiel, Kemp. Um, I'll keep going. Jock Peterson, uh, Taylor. You know what? They're not. They're not Bryce freaking Harper.
2: Yeah. Well, that's that's right. And the, and the Dodgers don't really look at batting average too much anyway, so they're not too worried about that. Even though his numbers are better here post All Star break. They're looking at what he is, the types of at bat he has, that bats he has, the fact that he is going to be maybe get the biggest payday in the off season. He or Machado, both of them are going to get paid uh, pretty big on the in the off season by by somebody.
1: And if you're the Dodgers, uh, don't you need to be all in right now? I mean, you went you rented are. Machado. I, I would love to rent Bryce Harper for the run.
2: Yeah, they're all in. There's no doubt about that. I think the real question is. Would have been had they traded for him and, and actually dealt and got Bryce Harper. You know, does he play every day in right field? Do they? Does he, do they, What do they do with Yasiel Puig? Does he become a part-time player? Because mainly Yasiel Puig's been really hot uh, right. s- since he got off the disabled list recently. He had an oblique issue since he but was last... since
1: he was wrestling with the Giants.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's been really hot. He's played pretty well. He's he's uh, you know obviously he's got maybe the best arm in right field in, in baseball. But uh, Bryce Harper has been there before. He's had really good uh, at-bats in the postseason. He's won a MVP before. Yasiel Puig has not. So it's really hard to say how he would have been used. But they had the same issue with Manny Machado, and it just worked out that Manny decided uh, when Justin Turner was on the DL, that he said, I'll go back to play third base for a while. I'll play third or short wherever you need me. And that's what they're doing with, with Manny Machado. He's back at shortstop now, which is what he played this year with uh, – the Baltimore Orioles and Justin Turner is back healthy and Justin Turner's on on fire he's the hottest hitter in baseball so they would have found a way to get Bryce in there every day whether it be right field maybe it would have been left field I remember his first game in the big leagues it was at Dodger Stadium when he got called up first time he ever got called up he played center field so they would have worked it out and I'm sure if they talked to Bryce and and they said hey would you play you know some some left field would you play some center field Uh, he probably would have said yes in, in order to try to win because if they would have gotten Bryce Harper just with the at bats he has and the danger that he possesses, um, it still is an upgrade to some of the other names we just mentioned.
1: Do they need that kind of firepower?
2: Well, I think some Dodger fans would probably say no. We need bullpen help, but really, well, we'll talk
1: about that in just a second.
2: Really, Rich? Yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. But what bullpen help is out there that's a step above what they already have? That's the question. You know, the Brandon Morrows of the world aren't available. Brandon is just trying to get out the DL with the Chicago Cubs. And apparently he's feeling better and will be off soon. But teams are actually looking because the game has changed. My feeling is more and more teams are copying what the Dodgers are doing, what what the Cleveland Indians did a couple of years ago. Uh, Even what Houston did last year. I mean, they're just, they're going for bullpen guys. And it's a bullpen game today. There was a big article written recently. Uh, I just read it was sent to me uh, yesterday about Major League Baseball, how, a lot of teams are copying each other. A lot of teams are becoming a team that wants guys that play many, many, many positions, like a Kiki Hernandez or a Chris Taylor. They want guys that can play infield and outfield and play all over the place. And you're seeing starters in the minor leagues. Jimmy Leland said this, and I didn't know this: that the minor leagues, he said, in the minor leagues, are stopping pitchers at 75 pitches now, right? Which is five innings. Well, so what does that tell you in the big leagues? That tells you. When I used to say the final nine outs are the most important, that was 20 years ago. Well, now it's really the final 12 outs because and most guys most guys are not going. I mean, the big league average I heard this year is five and a third innings.
1: And if I only train you to go 75 pitches, I'm not going to get you to 110. Uh, somebody told me a long time ago, it's, it's like trying to train a horse. If I train the horse to be a half-miler, you can't expect him to be a miler when he gets to the big leagues.
2: Well, it's like running a marathon. It's the same thing. Yeah. I worked with uh, Sam Ryan last year, who's a marathon runner, and she runs uh, half she marathons really? just for fun. Oh yeah, she is a runner just for, for charity. Fun. Every event that's available in New York and Boston or anywhere. Oh yeah, she run, I didn't know. I got to know her really well working with her the last two years on uh, Saturday night on XM. We used to do round trip together, and then she had to leave because she got a nice offer to do TV and locally in New York for uh, one of the stations there. But um for a year and a half she was great to work with and I got to know her pretty well about her running and and she would tell me a lot about it. So I would talk to her in the breaks about that how do you how do you learn to run a marathon she goes you got to run a lot of half marathons first and <laughs> so I she goes I just do that I just do that sometimes just to do it I run you know 13 some odd miles just for the heck of it I went oh my goodness uh, so point being yeah I mean you could you you're run not a marathon gonna, no, never. Not, not a chance. Not a chance. No, no. I wasn't a runner, and and you know, it's, could it's you funny walk a marathon? It's funny you say that. I was a walker when I um when my legs started bothering me um, in the last couple of years, um, I started becoming a, a walker. Meaning, I would walk uh, three to five miles a day at a pretty good pace and i still do it once in a while uh, could i walk 26 miles yes but could i run it today N- no way funny you ask though my dad was a, was that he was a marathon runner really? my dad was yeah my dad was uh, it's funny he, he was not a baseball player he was a runner but he was a long distance runner yeah he could do that he had great stamina and he could do the the marathons and the half marathons and all that and i said oh my god no i it's it's funny how you know i know your son plays baseball you love baseball but and my dad ended up loving baseball but um he just he did he just didn't play baseball in high school he loved track and it's funny i just i hated to run (laughs) i I mean i was not i was not a good runner as a catcher uh down the line i wasn't fast i wasn't the slowest guy in the world but i wasn't a fast runner i was not an above average runner uh but i thought i was when i was little but when i got to, to be in college and a professional no i was not a I was not a speedster, but by that time, I'd already started catching when I was eight years old anyway, but uh, I wish I had more speed. But, yeah, no, uh, you can't train a guy in the minor leagues to go 115, 120 pitches if he's only going 75. So we're going to see shorter
1: and and looking for more bullpen arms.
2: In the big leagues, I mean, you can't train him to go 120 in the big leagues unless you stretch him out in the minor leagues.
1: Now, by the way, I've done my own personal marathon when I had my heart surgery. I said Good by for by the end of the year. I had my heart surgery in August. I said by the end of the year, I'm going to do a marathon. So on on New Year's Eve, I did my own personal marathon. I, I did the whole uh, the whole kit and caboodle. It took me like ten hours, but I did it four months after heart surgery.
2: Where'd you do it?
1: In my neighborhood. I had a I had uh, I had my phone and it tracked my my distance on GPS. And I just kept walking and walking. I stopped once to change shoes. Wow. I'd walk by the house and get water, and my wife would look at me like I was crazy and I'd text her, Hey, bring me more water. Come get your own water. No, I can't stop. I'm doing my own personal marathon. She thought it was nuts.
2: That is impressive. Now, is that was that advised by your cardiologist? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I
1: said, go, go, go get him. Go get after him. So I said, I'm gonna do wow. my own personal marathon. But I, I don't best- have the guts to put the uh the sticker on the back of my car. I'm gonna actually do one where it's legitimate and, they, and and somebody can document that I did it. But one day, one day. Speaking of crazy, though, Kevin, I brought this up because it is crazy. Is, is Mike Rizzo crazy from the Washington Nationals for putting him on waivers and then keeping him in the clubhouse when you can't work that deal out?
2: No, no, because, you know, you're still going to try to re-sign Mike, uh, Bryce Harper. And Bryce Harper didn't want to leave anyway. And he is the one big draw in Washington, so... That would have really emptied the seats. I mean, losing Daniel Murphy to the Cubs to play second base, it sounds like Hobby Baez will go to shortstop and give Addison Russell a break. Um, I, you know, it's, it, it, that's a great move for them, and losing Matt Adams was another move. But if you lose Bryce Harper, who's been the heart and soul of the ball club ever since he came to the big leagues, ever since he was drafted, actually, uh, that would have been a big you know, loss, I think, for the fan base, the final 37, 38 games.
1: All right, let's get, then let's get to Daniel Murphy. Norris sets, kicks in, delivers. A swing and a line drive to the gap in right center. Will fall in a base hit. Rendon held up. Now the ball's bobbled. Rendon will score. Soto goes to third. He was on his way anyhow. Murphy has singled a drive and a run and uh, get the tying run all the way to third base. For Daniel Murphy, his first hit of the night. He drives in his twenty. Highlight courtesy of the, of the Washington Nationals Radio Network. Skip, what does he do to the Cubs?
2: Oh, man. I mean, recently they were playing uh, in Chicago, and I saw a couple of those games on TV. And he had an opposite field home run to left center. His at-bats were really good. He reminded me when uh, he was with the Mets, and he led them to the World Series that year when they beat the Dodgers, and he was hitting home runs off of every great pitcher, whether it be Granke, Kershaw, uh, John Lester, whoever. Uh, He was phenomenal that year with the Mets. That's how he's hitting the ball right now. He's hitting over 300 again. Uh, remember, he had the knee surgery, so he missed the uh, first couple of months of the season. It's taken him a long time to get you know, get the bat back, get the timing down as a hitter. But right now, oh, when I just saw them recently in, in uh, Chicago, he looks like the same guy. So to me, especially with the Cubs team where they have a lot of free swingers, Javi Baez is a free swinger. Uh, Al Mora, their center fielder, is a free swinger. Um, Addison Russell, for the most part, is a free swinger. Um, Rizzo gives you some good at-bats where he'll take some pitches and work counts. But that gives you a guy that really works counts well, really knows his swing. And I think he's actually going to help some of the other guys with their swings and helps make some of those young hitters even better. But that's a big left-handed bat that's going to hit somewhere in the first inning. I mean, I'd want Daniel Murphy maybe hitting second. Uh, they've got Rizzo a lot of times leading off. I mean, it really doesn't matter because he gets lefties or righties. Lefties don't bother him. But uh, he's a guy I'd want hitting uh, – you know, preferably in the first inning. So we'll see.
1: And like you mentioned, maybe Baez moves over to short. Addison Russell gets a little bit of a blow. And you got a guy who is just, I mean, that's a Joe Madden kind of blue-collar grinder right there.
2: Yeah, it really is. And, of course, Baez can go to third base. They don't know about Chris Bryant yet. You know, he's had the shoulder issue t- uh, twice now. And I don't know if it's going to be a Zach Cozart thing, what happened with the Angels, where he ended up having surgery. We don't know that, and I'm not going to predict that or anything like that. But he's been out quite a while. It's the second time he's been on the DL. So I think they are preparing for that they may not have him. Um, I think you have to prepare that way if you're, if you're the uh, Chicago Cubs. Of course, uh, Boat at third base has been great. He's been hitting over 300. hit the big grand slam uh, a week ago or so. In fact, against the Nationals in the bottom of the ninth inning with two outs, hit that grand slam to center field. So he's been the third baseman. But if they wanted to get Russell back in there, better defensive guy, Byers is great at defensive. He could play third. Uh, he can go to third base as well. That's a great thing about Javi Baez. He can play second, third, or short. So uh, Murphy really gives them um, uh, some some options for Joe Madden on how to use the rest of those infielders.
1: How about the Cardinals uh, going out and getting this guy? Just swinging a ground ball toward the middle, on through into center field to base it. Rendon around third getting the green light. Adam Jones up with it, will not make a play to the plate. He lobs the ball into Machado at second base. It's a single to center, and RBI number 32 of the season for Matt Adams. Highlight courtesy of the Washington Nationals radio network yet again. Matt Adams going over there. Hey, the Cardinals lost their manager, fired him, thought the season was over. They're red hot right now in Los Angeles playing the Dodgers.
2: Yes, they are. Uh, they ended up hitting uh, Kenley Jansen for back-to-back home runs. Jerko and Carpenter leading off the uh, top of the ninth inning in a tie game. It was 3-3 at the time. Kenley got back off the disabled list from, from the AFib, the heart the irregular heartbeat. And um, he just was, you know, he hadn't pitched for 13 days, even though he had a couple of bullpens. And he just wasn't very sharp with the cutter, made a couple of mistakes, and those two guys hit him out. And the Cardinals are second in the National League in home runs behind the Dodgers who lead the, the National League in homers. So Matt Adams is a home run hitter. That gives him more uh, depth off the bench because Matt Carpenter right now is playing first base. Um, and Carpenter, of course, can play third, and, and Matt Adams can play first. There's a lot of things that you can do with Matt Adams, but uh, it de- definitely, at worst, gives you a guy that's hit 18 home runs for the Nationals coming off the bench. Like I said, I don't know if he's going to be there tonight at Dodger Stadium or tomorrow, but uh, there's, there's two more games left with the Cardinals, but I'm sure they want to get him over there as quick as they can because uh, this just is going to help their offense. They, they're, you know, their pitching's been pretty good. They're starting some young starters right now, the Cardinals. They're getting Carlos Martinez off the DL today as well, who I believe is going to go to the bullpen for a while. <clears throat> we'll see, because they've got some young relievers down there right now. Bud Norris is their closer, who was a little shaky last night, walked Matt Kemp to lead off the ninth inning, and it went 3-2 and two on everybody. At the end of the day, he got through the inning and closed it for his 25th save. But, um, you know, maybe Carlos Martinez is a guy you use late in the game as well. There's a lot of different things the Cardinals are going to do, but – because of where they're at and because of the last two weeks and where they've played, the Cardinals go claim Matt Adams and they made a deal for him. It's a good move.
1: Let's talk about that last night with Kenley Jansen. Let's take a listen. The shift is on for Carpenter. The pitch. Matt swings and he hits it high. Left center field to the track, to the wall. It's a gunner. Back to back for Jerko and Carpenter. Home run number 34 for Matt. And the Cardinals lead 5-3 to three in Los Angeles. Highlight courtesy of the Cardinals Radio Network. Skip, Kenley Jansen again. Uh, we've talked about the natural movement that he, that he has of the ball, a little flat. Uh, but I, I'm not worried about him. He's one of the best out there. But I am worried about the back end of that, that bullpen that people are calling beleaguered, and I, I think they are for the Dodgers.
2: Well, you know, Dylan Floro uh, has been very good for them. Chagwa has been very good for them in their roles. Not closing, but in their roles. So Dave Roberts was excited to get them back in their roles. And ironically, um, he took out Alex Wood last night very early. Alex uh, gave up a couple of runs early in the game. He gave up a home run to the second hitter, Jose Martinez, at a long home run to left field. Didn't have his great command, but I thought it was a little early to, to take out it was in the fourth inning to take out um, – uh, or, excuse me, it was top of the fifth inning <clears throat> to, to, take, to take out Alex Wood. And Wood wasn't too happy, but they did have a couple of guys on. There was nobody out. It was already 3 uh, two nothing at the time. And uh, they brought in Chagua, and he ends up not uh, walking a guy and came out of the game, and he had some tingling in his arm and his neck and tingling down his throwing arm. And so you know what that means. That means MRI today. I haven't heard the results yet as we speak, but uh, I'm certain that's a DL trip for Shagwa, who's been very good. Uh, Hudson is just getting back off the DL. He's been very good for the Dodgers. So those guys in their roles, Dylan Floro included, Scott Alexander included, have been pretty good. None of them have been uh, Brandon Morrow of last year, where the eighth inning was lights out, and then it was Kenley Jansen. So last year it was a seven-inning game during the season. Uh, This year it's an eight-inning game, and then Kenley Jansen for the ninth. But Kenley says, now I'll go four outs, five outs, whatever they need. He said, and this is his quotes, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he said, hey, I can't worry about it. I've been cleared to pitch, and if something goes and my heart goes, it goes. I, I, I'm going to try to do everything I can for this team, which is saying an awful lot. Now, he does have to have surgery in the offseason. He had surgery in 2012, and they're going to go in there and uh, look at it and, uh, and tighten up, fix some things that, uh, that they did back in 2012, apparently. So that was what, six years ago. Right. He's going to have to have surgery again. But in the meantime, he's been cleared by the cardiologist to be activated uh, yesterday. Yes. And and he didn't have uh, great command. He did strike out a couple of guys later. But uh, in a tie game, Dave Roberts decided to use him. Felt like that was the best option. And let me tell you why he used him. Because in in the bottom of the eighth inning, the Dodgers got Yasiel Puig to third base with one out. And Jansen had already been up anyway. So I think Dave Roberts was going to use him to try to put a zero up in the ninth to get his offense one more at bat, at least in the bottom of the ninth. So consequently, when they didn't score, uh, Hicks ended up striking out Justin Turner, of all people, with a devastating slider uh, and a guy that throws 104 miles an hour. Um, he got through his innings, even though he didn't have great command. Um, they ended up keeping the game right there. That was the biggest out of the game, by the way, with the runner at third, less than two outs, and Turner up has been the hottest hitter in baseball and doesn't strike out very much. Count uh, went to three and two, and he threw a slider that just, you know, fell off the table right over the plate, <clears throat> and it was a ball down. But Justin chased it. Then he got the next guy, and then that was that. So, point being, uh, Dave Roberts, the way they battled back, being down three nothing, and the way they battled back and scored three runs. Max Muncy got a two-out base hit off of Hicks. It was 103 miles an hour. It's the first base hit on that uh, that hard uh, of a pitch in Major League Baseball this year, or in many many years, as a matter of fact. And that's Max Muncy. Hicks had not given up a base hit on any pitch. He's thrown 103 They were 0 for 12, I believe, something like that. Muncy flipped the base hit to left field on a 3-2 count. That tied the game. So Dave Roberts just felt they battled back the last four innings so hard to tie the game that he wanted Kenley out there. He felt he could put the the zero up there in the top of the ninth. Consequently, that didn't happen. And what happened was there was there was a double switch where Jerko was on the bench. He had come in the game. So he ended up, when Hicks came in the game, he came in the game. So what happened, Jerko ends up leading off the bottom of the ninth. Who's had a good year for power. He threw a high cutter that didn't cut, hit it to dead left center field, <clears throat> went out of the ballpark, Carpenter, who's been on fire, hit a center cut uh, cutter that didn't move at all, and he hit out to left center field as well, back-to-back home runs, and that was the difference of the game.
1: A couple things I wanted to ask you about, Skip. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jose Urania is dropping his appeal after uh, drilling Acuna Jr. Why do you take that long to, to drop your appeal? It, 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 one of the things that non-baseball fans will look at our game and go, you know, you appeal, you, you suspend him, then you appeal. And it, it just doesn't seem like there's, um, justice gets meted out in the right way. There's no due process the way the suspensions come and the appeals in a lot
2: of games. Well, the union, number one, backs you up no matter what happens. You go to the union and they're going to help you and say you appeal. Your representatives in the union, they're going to say go ahead and appeal it. And then I'm sure they found out that uh, maybe through Joe Torre or somehow that, hey, this guy's going to be suspended. That was uh, intentional and you could appeal, but I'm not reducing any games. And they said, you know, it might look better if you just drop your appeal. You're going to get suspended anyway. It was intentional. It's obvious it was intentional. You know the situation with the home runs Acuna had hit leading off a game, the previous three games or four games, and so consequently he drops it. So that's really what it is. You go through the process of automatically saying, I'm going to appeal it because the union really wants you to do that for the most part. That's really what happens.
1: And again, I'm okay with him coming inside. He shouldn't have hit him the way he did, but if you hit him in the meaty part of the thigh, you throw at his feet, you make him move around, you still got to claim the inside of the plate. Otherwise, guys stand there like Acuna was so dialed in. You're helpless up there sometimes if you're a pitcher.
2: Yeah, but I don't think even, uh, you know, a kid's doing that, you know, and and the Braves. uh, I mean, the Marlins, excuse me, and the Braves, obviously, are trying to win the pennant, and the Marlins are not going anywhere. I think you try to get the guy out rather than just say, you know what, we haven't gotten him out in the first inning the last two games. I'm just going to drill him. And that's what they did, and I don't, I don't like it. And, again, it. A, I don't
1: want to drill him, but I do want to throw inside. I do want to make him well, change his eye level. I, I do want to make him move his feet.
2: But like I said last last, last week, um, guys don't know how to pitch inside no. today. No, and that's so, why he should
1: have got suspended. So
2: I I don't think he even should have thrown inside first pitch. I think he should have pitched to him. Maybe throw a breaking ball first pitch. I think he should have start the game and pitch, and don't start knocking guys down right away first pitch. If you can't get him out, um, then he shouldn't be there. Try, try to learn how to pitch correctly to get him out and make the right pitches. But I see so many guys, you know, throw cookie fastballs right down the middle trying to pitch inside. <laughs> Doesn't And that's anybody. usually, they and hit that's usually out when we start – well, they, they hit him out. Go ahead, go ahead. They hit him out of the ballpark, and then what happens next? Well, we're going to hit the next guy because because they can't. I can't hit mad. him mad. Yeah, because I'm yeah. mad, and that's how I feel about the Acuna thing. Even the first pitch of the game, don't knock him down. That doesn't say any, that doesn't prove anything to me. Pitch to him in the first inning. Have some guts.
1: Um, and then and then usually you and I start texting back and forth. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's hey, all. Uh, that's all right. Crazy story, uh, especially for this podcast. Not crazy story. Again. I'm not the manager of the defending uh, World Series champions, nor are you. So uh, I don't want to second guess AJ Hinch that much because he's a friend of mine as well. But I did see this story, and I wanted to bring this up with you. Whether Roberto Osuna named the closer for the rest of the season, he had talked to uh, Hector Rendon and said, "Hey, we're going to put you the seventh, eighth inning." But but AJ was on uh, SiriusXM where we both work, and he said something about, and I'm going to paraphrase right here. Um, Oh, it's from an article that was on ESPN. Hitch said he wanted to stay away from defined roles in the bullpen. Quote, sometimes when you name a closer you limit yourself as to like, okay, you have to be that lead and you have to be within three runs and it has to be in the ninth inning. Uh, end quote. I think it makes for bad decisions for managers, he said. We talk about it all the time, and and I I talk to guys in the pen, they like having their roles defined that I know I'm your sixth, seventh guy, uh, sixth, seventh, eighth inning guy. I know I'm your setup guy. I know your closer. And he said and they say it helps them prepare better for the game.
2: Yeah, it does, but I, I don't think they've had a closer in the last couple of years, even with Rondon there. Rondon lost his job with the Cubs and they just he was he just happened to be pitching well on a streak and so he became the closer for the last couple of months and I saw him the first time I really saw him closing, he blew one. Uh, he, he, he blew the first game I, saw, I watched him uh, doing it. He's got good stuff. There's no doubt about that. His command has never been great. And same with Osuna. So I don't think Osuna's a lights out guy either. So I would have kind of left it open with that ball club. Say, I'm going to use you both. I want to see who's pitching well. Osuna, you haven't pitched in a while. You're going through some things. Rondon's been pretty good for us. I'm going to use both guys. I would have called them both in and said, You know, you both have to be ready late in the game. You're probably the guys I'm going to go to. But then there might be a time, you know, you have a lefty that you have to get out. You might use uh, Davinsky, who's got a great changeup and gets lefties out, sometimes better than righties. We saw
1: him last year do that.
2: Yeah, so I, I don't think with his club, he has that, you know, lockdown closer. If he had a Chapman, if he had a Kenley Jansen, I think the decision would be easy to say that, hey, he's got the ninth inning. We're going to mix and match. You other guys be ready in the 7th and 8th inning, 6th, 7th, and 8th inning, and those will be your roles, so don't be surprised when I called you in those innings. But here's our closer, and that's going to be it. So I, don't, I truly right now still don't think, with, even with Osuna, I've, never, I've watched him a lot. Got good stuff. I don't think he's a lockdown guy, though. I don't think he has enough command yet to be a lockdown guy or a, or a big enough secondary pitch to be a lockdown guy.
1: All right, Skip, I want to finish with one story that's going to make you smile. Have you seen the story about the Oakland Athletics?
2: I've seen a lot of stories about the A's recently. <laughs> well, Which we've ta-
1: we've talked about the Oakland Athletics, and do you believe? Are you buying into them? They're green collar rooted in Oakland, and one of the guys we talked a lot about is this guy. Chris with a game winning home run in the uh, ninth, third game of the series, and a swing and a long drive to left, deep into the night. Nobody moves, and man, it hits off the sweets, <laughs> bombs away for Chris Davis. They cannot slay this dragon. <laughs> It's his 37th of the year, 26 in his career, uh, against Texas pitching, and it's 4 nothing Oakland on an absolute moonshot. I like courtesy left. of the Oakland A's radio network, Chris Davis, who's been crushing it, Skip. We've been impressed with him all season long, right?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, he's got, he's got that launch power. He, when he hits the ball, Rich, he's one of those guys, when he hits a fastball with backspin, or any any pitch, by the way, um, He's got that carry that just keeps going and going and going and going and carries out of the ballpark. You know, you think he doesn't hit it all that well and the ball just rifles out of the stadium. He hits had, he had some long home runs opposite field too.
1: I don't know if you saw the story, and I'm gonna I want to leave everybody with this because it's gonna make you smile, it might even make you cry. So Chris Davis, this is from the Associated Press, asked a young fan from the Make A Wish Foundation to sign his jersey, then slugged a home run as the A's beat the Texas Rangers on Monday night. Davis let a 10-year-old Oakland sixth grader named Anthony Slocum print his name in blue ink on Davis's white jersey and then wore the uniform while hitting his 37th home run in the third inning. Slocum is in remission from a rare uh, cancer, was at the Coliseum with a group uh, group from Make-A-Wish Foundation's Greater Bay Area chapter. His mother, Natalie Sanchez, was delighted by the gesture. So the story goes that uh, Slocum, the, the young man, big A's fan, when Davis came out there, he said, hey, will you sign my jersey? And 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 Davis said, well, will you sign my jersey? So he signed the jersey, it blue ink, and he left it on his uniform. He left that uniform on, played the game with it, and he hit that home run wearing that young man's autograph on his back. He said he thought about it while he was rounding the bases. And, I mean, talk about Pick me up for a pick-me-up-for-a-kid battling cancer to see the guy that you, you signed his jersey – Hit that bomb right there, Skip. That is what baseball is all about.
2: Yeah, it really is. And, yes, that is one of the stories I did see and locked in on, and I thought it was phenomenal. I did see uh, Davis hit the home run. I did watch that game. I knew the story. I think it's just you explained it very well. I think it's just phenomenal to hear things like that. And, uh, you know, that's really what it's about. You know, when you see ballplayers go to these hospitals and children's hospitals and trying to give back, I can't tell you one player that I know that wouldn't go do you know those types of things to help somebody else, especially with the money that these guys are making. They do really, they really do want to give back. Every every player that I've ever had, Rich, wants to give back in some way and never turned any youngster down when they, we'd say, "Hey, will you make a an appearance at the uh, the Cancer Institute here Children's in this town Hospital or that town, Children's yeah. Hospital?" Yeah, absolutely. But I. Uh, when we hear these stories, there's not enough of them that we hear about, and I'm glad to hear that story. I think it's a, a, just a great one, one of the best I've heard in, in baseball. The Oakland A's, first of all, are one of the best stories, probably the best story in baseball for me this year, are the Oakland A's, and then number two, hearing something like that, uh, and then Chris going out and actually hitting a home run. It kind of reminds me of you know, watching the Lou Gehrig story on TV. <laughs> the, yeah, Babe Ruth. And, and Babe Ruth as well, both of them. I'll hit one for you, kid. You know, that type of thing. And Babe Ruth says the kid asked him to hit two for, to Babe Ruth. And he said, I'll try. And he ends up going out and hitting two home runs. You know, those are true stories, some of those. So, And these uh, aren't isolated incidents. Are, you,
1: you probably uh, saw it so many times in Boston and Texas. And we've seen them around broadcasting. There's a story of a young man in, in Tampa. I'm not sure if you saw this, Skip. Uh, was in a diving accident and uh, broke his neck in a couple different places. So he's in the hospital, Children's Hospital, there in St. Petersburg. And one of the Rays said, heard about him and said, hey, can I come visit? And they said, yeah, yeah. So he said, I'll come by after the game. Well, he hits the game-winning home run that night, and then three hours later shows up in the hospital room, and the kid's like, wait a minute, I just saw you hit the game-winning home run. What are you doing here visiting me? He goes, I wanted to see a true hero. So it, it happens more often than not. Sometimes it's great when you see it. Sometimes it's even better when nobody knows about it, and the player does it for completely the right reason.
2: Yeah, that's and that's really what happens most of the time. These guys do it for the right reason. And, you know, for people that don't know, uh, the, the PR uh, – people at every major league club are always asking the players to sign up for different events that they can go to, whether it be an autograph event somewhere at a mall or going to a children's hospital or whatever that happens all season long. And, and people really don't hear about it. And if you're a, a ball club that has a, a half hour, let's say, or an hour pregame show for rain delays, that's when you'll see that type of stuff. And I just saw one the other day of the angels. As a matter of fact, they were rain delayed in Texas about two hours the other night. And they were showing uh, Cole Calhoun and Andrew Heaney and a bunch of guys going to the, the Children's Hospital for, uh, Cancer Institute down in Orange County. And, uh, you know, you saw that these kids, the smiles on their faces. And it really it kind of choked me up a little bit, uh, you know, because I've been through m- my own bouts of uh, cancer. And you know, we've talked about that before, Rich. I know right. you've had your own issues as well, the heart surgery. And it just makes you realize when you're a young player like that, how fortunate you are. And to give back as much as you can because it really does put a smile on, on these kids' faces. It really does mean a lot to them. And I've, I saw that even when I was a player. Um, we would do that. Managers did it as well. I remember in Boston, I had to go, and not had to, I wanted to go, but I, it was about 30 minutes away. They asked me to go to a, a cancer institute, not the Dana Farber one. We did do that all the time. That was just down the street from Fenway. The Jimmy but, Fund's
1: going on this week.
2: Yeah, the Jimmy Fund. Yeah, that we did that a lot. Um, but, um, it was the one It was about 30 mile, 30 miles, 40 miles away before a ball game. And I went out there and it was so sad in, in some ways to see these kids. But when they saw, when they saw a couple of the Red Sox walk in with Red Sox uniforms, because in, in, in Boston, in those areas there, New England, everybody knows the Red Sox. It was like, uh, it, their, their, their faces just lit up and you wouldn't know they had a problem. And that's, that's what you go and do it for. really that to uh, you know, put a little bit of sunshine in their lives if, you, lives if you can. And I think what Chris Davis did is fantastic.
1: Absolutely. I wanted to leave you leave with that uh, today in case you hadn't seen that story. All right, folks, don't forget we do this a couple times a week. You can find Kevin, Kevin Kennedy MLB on Twitter. Mine is RBI Rich. Thanks so much for joining us and hanging out with us on America's Best Baseball Podcast.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.